Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Morning, Stacey. How are you? Morning, John. I am doing well. I am enjoying myself probably the last week, full week home for the next, I think, seven weeks almost. Um, I'll be on the road. So uh, enjoying a little bit of time where I get to continue to look out my office window and see the greenery. By the time I get back home, there will be fall in the air. So, um, so, but doing good. And how about you? Are you are you home this week, or did you do any traveling this week already? No, no, no. This is the window before the storm. This is the yeah. calm before the storm. It's been an exciting week. So, so yesterday, two boxes arrived with 150 copies of the book, um, and I'm taking them to um, to. I, I'm not taking them. I raced right over to the U.S. store and shipped them to Las Vegas for the for the conference next week, where I'm doing a book signing. So where's that, your book signing and what time? For people the books are, there, there's some sort of VIP lounge, and I'm doing a meet and greet in the VIP lounge at 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. It's okay. in the expo hall somewhere, and I'm pretty psyched. I'm pretty psyched. So the book's out, and then yesterday, the final version of the new report came out. It'll be online. As of Tuesday, um, you can order it at, at um, HR Examiner. So two new big deal things, a, a book on Amazon and a report on HR Examiner. And we're, we'll talk a little bit today about the um, HR Examiner watch list, which is part of the report. And, and, and we've noticed and, and awarded a bunch of companies for their work in intelligent tools. And so, and so we'll be talking about those awards as well. Great. Well, it sounds like, like it is going to be a big week, not just from a publishing perspective, but also from a, an announcement perspective, there's no doubt. I know we are wrapping up the annual HR system survey here uh, um, on the Sierra Cedar side, uh, continuing to find typos. It's the one thing about very long and very big reports is you've looked at images and you've looked at charts and you've looked at graphs so much that they start to blur and you miss things. And so we've got people who are eyeballing every chart and every graphic and every uh, input to make sure that we have captured all of the typos and misspellings and uh, little things that we don't see any longer. Um, but we're hoping that process will be done um, on Friday. Our goal is to get all of the people who participated in the research an early um, copy of the uh, research in on Monday um, morning, and then we will be launching it uh, to everyone else on Wednesday at our 11 a.m. Pacific time session where we're going to be launching the data. It is really, really exciting this year. There is some interesting stuff around um, what's working and what's not working with HR technology environments. I think the the um, thing that people will find this year is that we are starting to delve into not just what you have and what the outcomes are, but what makes it work. So that's the fun stuff. Cool. Cool. So, so what's in the mailbag? Well, it's been a, it's kind of a, 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 as you said, calm before the storm. So not a busy week, but some new and interesting things going on. Um, I want to mention uh, a couple of things that people should probably pay attention to going on at the um, HR uh, Technology Conference next week. So we should, should probably mention uh, some of the events and things that people should be paying t- attention to, including the HR Gives Back session with um, Molly Lombardi. Um, we're, um, we have a couple of things going on with funding. Espressive uh, is an organization. This happened, I think, in July, but I just caught it. 
um, raised $23 million for an employee experience um, platform, but um, Espressive is run by Pat Calhoun, who was a previous senior VP at ServiceNow, and I think that's worth noting um, as that money gets invested. We also have some news from LinkedIn's China rival, Mai Mai, I think is how we pronounce it, um, raising $200 million ahead of their U.S. IPO. And that's worth maybe talking a little bit about what's the future of LinkedIn and those type of platforms. Um, there was a, an investment with a U.K. tech development group, um, a Danish software company, um, closed a series um, C rounding. Um, for their um, software that is a payroll solution and workforce solution, but they're focusing on workforce collaboration in the future. Um, they got a $35 million boost. Um, and then if we have a little bit of time today, um, we can talk about the design of smart desks of the future. So a couple of things going on um, while we're all going to ramp up for next week. Now, you said also HR Tech, they just released for everyone an 80 announced, or well, it was 80 points, right? A, a several page long announcement of all the different announcements that are happening from all the vendors at HR Tech, correct? So people should be watching for that. We'll be talking about that next week, right? That's right. 80 new, 80 new products announced at HR Tech. Wow. Yes. Um, and and we think we're going to get any sleep next week. It's not going to be possible. <laughs> um. It's gonna be it's gonna be busy. Let me let me real quickly tell you about the um, HR Examiner watch list. This is part of the the, the report, and there. Let, let me just really whip through it. So so we looked at almost two hundred companies. We talked to seventy, um, and out of that batch, we selected these companies as sort of demonstrating principles that are worth following. So there's there's an AI as platform award, and this is this is a topic we should come back to in the show over the next several months. Um, both Google and IBM um, get the nod in that category. Um, Google is taking an approach to um, sort of a middle layer uh, that... Um, that they're applying the same sensibility they applied to mapping, and um, IBM is embedding Watson as a middle layer around the industry. And there's a data workbench category, and there's a company called Swoop Talent who is really worth paying attention to. Um, and we also uh, paid attention to One Model, which is a, an Austin-based company that does templated uh, analytics. Uh, there's a category we call microservices, um, and um, Beamery, which is a, um, a recruitment marketing automation play, Engage Talent, which is sourcing acceleration, Textio, which if you haven't seen Textio, go look at Textio. It is on-the-job performance enhancements, and Tradeify, which is a uh, an assessment play. Kronos, Ultimate Software, and Workday each get a nod for the way that they're embedding intelligent tools in their legacy systems. And Ascendify and Bridgevine Structure get attention because they are building AI-first suites, which means they're designed for AI from the get-go. So, so it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. Okay. And 
Go ahead. Which session can everyone hear you talk a little bit more about each of those organizations and what they're doing, John, in the in the well, event? Well, you know? well, I will I will mention this. So I'm so I'm all over the place, right? I'm doing the orientation session, an intro to AI, a um, showcase of AI companies, um, and a conversation about evaluating AI vendors, uh, and. In each of those, I'll talk a little bit about this. The showcase has Textio, Engage Talent, Ascendify, Bridge, and Kronos as the presenters. So five of the five of the winners um, are presenting in the showcase session. And then the other sessions, you'll talk a little bit more about all the, the things that you're finding. Yep. Is um, yep. is this the first place that people are hearing this announcement? So should we be able to say people who listen got an early... You heard it here week? first. You absolutely right. heard it here first. Well, that, we, we should do, next year we should make plans to, to, to do a little bit of a, a prep so people realize they could get the early sneak peek if they listen to the radio show. We like doing that that's, kind of stuff. That's right. <laughs> and maybe next year, if it's a, if it's a slow... Newsweek again. Uh, maybe next year we'll just talk about what all these companies are doing. It's it's yeah. it's really what what amazes me about what's going on in the industry is the hype is out of control. There's no question that the hype is out of control. But underneath the hype, there are 200 companies who are doing really interesting things and working hard to be different from each other. And so. So there's there's an exploration going on that is super productive in terms of figuring out what the next steps really are. And and I think what's really interesting when you look at the the data on our end because our end sort of looks at it almost on the other flip side of things. These companies that are doing all this new, exciting, innovative sort of approaches to HR and and not so much just HR, but to the data that is involved in HR, right? They're changing how people think about HR and how people sort of um, think about the processes involved in HR. One of the things we noticed this year is that the traditional technology system environments are, are really sort of evolving into not the sweet concept that I think that we all saw, say, five years ago. The sweet concept seems to have sort of dissipated, but into true sort of um, anchor models. So you're seeing organizations sort of center around one or two anchors um, in their system environments and then really, really sort of connecting all the dots with all these little solutions that are sort of filling in the spaces. So it'll be interesting to see what from what you're seeing in the future uh, with companies that are changing the way we look at this, if that will dissolve into more and more small solutions that organizations will just keep connecting to their anchor systems. So, so I'm not sure I'd see it exactly like that, but, but it's close. The, the thing that I'm seeing is that companies are becoming personalities. And so, so the 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 uh, it's 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 a good articulation. The idea that there are anchor functions around which things are built is is exactly right. But if you think about it for a second, so let's 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 do Kronos, who's one of the the people we're paying attention to. It's a forty year old company, and a forty year old company has a huge amount of data. And so what they're doing is they're building intelligent tools around that data, but 
their intelligent tools built around that data are all rooted in that data. So Kronos is a time and attendance company. And so when they say our flight risk assessment is that Stacy's going to leave in 90 days, what they're what they really mean is we've looked at we've looked deeply at attendance and timeliness data, um, and from that we draw the conclusion that other people demonstrate this pattern, and so Stacy's demonstrating the pattern where when um, Ultimate Software runs its flight risk analysis, they don't really have time and attendance data in there. They have other they have performance management data. They have um, Overall um, engagement information, they have a great deal of what's going on with the team kinds of information. Um, and so their flight risk calculation is based on an entirely different set of math than the Kronos one is. And what you end up with is two different points of view that may well have two different answers. There's a, there is a big repeatability and reproducibility question in all of this, but the ultimate software answer to who's a flight risk is going to be different than the Kronos answer to who's a flight risk. And and what that means is because of the point of view of your tool, you're going to manage differently. And that's a really interesting. That's a really interesting notion. I believe it was the case that up until now, when when HR technology systems regurgitated the facts they were given, that that it wasn't the case that there was a point of view embedded in the stuff. But now that they now that they are in the business of giving opinions, what's underneath an opinion is a point of view. And and each of these companies has a point of view, and it, and it's bigger than it, it. It's a point of view that impacts the way you manage your company. And and I completely you know agree with the fact that I think the point of view is the center of this. The um you know what I what I think is the challenge for many organizations is figuring out what their point of view is. Um, is that a, a CEO point of view, or is that a culture point of view, or is that a company brand point of view? Um, but what we're finding is that organizations are identifying which of the vendors fit that point of view the best and then sort of filling in the space around those vendors. And so it's it's an interesting um, dialogue when you're talking to many of these organizations about the fact that, you know, they're not just trying to solve the immediate business needs, but trying to figure out what is it that their organization needs from a, a personality perspective, what's going to fit inside of that, right? So, so I think it's both the vendors and the buyers are going through similar transformations right now. Um, and that could create some interesting things in the next couple of years as we start to see both of these or types of organizations try and figure out what it means to be a business in this new world. I mean, I think a great example of this is the night conversation that everybody's having right now, right? With the Capricorn, you know, Capricorn, um, uh, football player and, uh, you know, the, the conversation about marketing and whether or not a company should be taking stances, I think this is sort of the same thing along those lines is that companies have to have a, a point of view going forward. And at least that's the, the one theory that seems to be standing out, right? Yep. It's a, it's a, um, 
it's a time of change. It's a time of change. And, and I, I agree that, that people are going to have to start figuring out what personality they want to have. I don't think anybody has the slightest idea of how you do that. Uh, um, because the, you, you know that that's that's in the in the biggest case that means you need your own anthropologist or you need somebody to come through and do an anthropological survey to figure out what your personality yeah. is in the first place. And exactly. your view of what your personality is is going to be erroneous. You need an external opinion, uh, yeah. and and that's that's a different way of managing than we've had. It's a it's a really different way of managing, and it's and it's uh I think you know it's you know and the idea is if you have a certain personality, can you change that personality? You know, more and more we you know sort of talk a lot about it. It, it, it there are a lot of similarities to sort of human psychology to business psychology, and those two things you know their their um, perspectives. Um, but the biggest thing I think we also have to remember is that businesses are made up of the people that are in them and oftentimes we forget that too and and so that's the piece that i think hr has to bring to the table um, oh i think it, i think it might even be bigger than that though because businesses aren't just made up of people businesses are um, almost an entity in in and of themselves with people being a part of it, right? So there's something that happens that's more than the people that are involved that's, I think, where the personality of the organization is. And I think people can get lost inside those personalities if someone's not paying attention. It's, it's very easy to, be, to say, well, this is just the culture or this is just the environment or this system fits us because this is where we're at. Um, and and you know and and in some cases that makes sense, but I think in a lot of cases it's where we end up with some of the really really you know um, egregious um, situations. I think you know, a really good example of that is something like a Wells Fargo environment, right? Wells Fargo has a lot of really good people who work for that organization, but that institution as a whole had processes, behaviors, and tools that um, continued to break down in multiple ways in multiple environments, right? Yep. Yep, there's that, there's that bit, and there's there's the value that what you have to be really careful of here is many companies' actual value stems from the organization's personality, and if you bring in intelligent tools that monkey with that personality or that do an overlay of somebody else's personality on it, um, you know, it's like. It's like the early versions of this are going to be off-the-rack suits, and a really good organization <laughs> needs a custom suit. Exactly, yes. <laughs> That's a great example of that, because I had this, this very similar conversation with someone who said, well, you know, my, this company told us that their database was made up of X number of companies, and I was like, well, yes, that's true, but it isn't made up of your company, so your data's not in there. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yes, I think we're going to be seeing lots of that. You know, do you want your custom analysis, or do you are you comfortable using everyone's aggregate analysis? Um, I do want to make sure that we mention today before we get too far into this conversation, because me and you could really go round and round on this one. Um, is that um, if anyone is planning to attend HR Technology Conference, or even if you're just kind of following what's happening in the market. Um, Molly Lombardi runs a foundation called um, HR Gives Back. It's probably one of the best um, sort of um, ways of connecting HR to 
the different things that are happening in the world on a social perspective. Um, the HR Gives Back Foundation um, was in response, in some cases, to Molly Lombardi's personal um, story and her journey. And as part of that personal story and journey, um, she noted this year that on September 23rd, which was the fifth anniversary of her diagnosis with Parkinson's disease, that she is going to be doing a 365 miles and 365-day um, uh plan where she will basically be um, saying, moving and blogging about and tweeting and Instagramming her progress along the 365-mile thing. So if anybody's interested in participating in this and uh, giving back to something that's really, really powerful in the HR environment, I would uh, encourage you to go to hrgivesback.org, um, sign up and support Molly Lombardi. She's a, she's a dear friend of both mine and John, and she's been doing amazing things with this HR Gives Back program. Yay! I vote for Molly. <laughs> there will be other things going on at the event, but yes, yay, we vote for Molly. Um, we also um, have some interesting news this week, uh, kind of wrapping up some of the things that we talked about. The Espressive raised $23 million to bring exceptional employee experience to enterprise service management. John, this is um, run by Pat Calhoun, who's the former senior VP of ServiceNow, and basically it's in reaction to the help desk schools and the stuff going on with sort of chat bot AIs, a lot of that I think will be in your um, paper this year about what's happening in that space as well. Um, this is a software that is basically the next representation or so they're saying of uh, the employee self-service, manager self-service, as well as um, help desk and service management tools. Um, they just received 25 $23 million um, for their uh, organization. is. Um, have you talked a lot in your um, paper this year about the artificial intelligence that goes along with the uh, areas of asking and getting help and uh, requesting things from various uh, entities that are not human at this point? Because that's a lot of what this does. Uh, well... That'll take us to the end of the show. <laughs> so, 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 so it's my view, and 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 it's a shared view that this stuff is not ready for prime time. Um, I, I looked at a demo the other day of somebody who told me they could answer ninety-seven percent of all questions asked, and that's that's an extraordinary claim given that the research suggests that a a, a chatbot with a complete and comprehensive um, set of data to work from really can hit about 80% on a routine basis. And so the difference between 80% and 97% is, is a series of answers that are ways of not having to say, I don't know. Um, and, um, right, right. Because, because nobody, nobody would buy a tool, um, to deliver to employees and call it bringing exceptional employee experiences to enterprise service management. If, if one out of five questions was answered wrong, incorrectly or not at all. Um, and, and so the smart people in that kind, the the, the sort of knowledge management chatbots, yep. the smart people in that area say that they're great tools 
for customer service environments where you want to reduce the number of callbacks required to solve a problem. Because a human being needs to look at the answer and make sure that it's okay. Um, so, so when I see this being about bringing exceptional employee experiences to, to enterprise service management, um, I call BS. <laughs> I call BS. Yeah. Um, well, and I now think it doesn't, we're gonna see a, it doesn't mean that there isn't something these. great here. It means that the claim yeah. is wrong. Um, I've had two or three vendors who have, have, have given me um, pitches in this direction in the last couple of days and, and wanted us to come and talk to them at HR Tech. So I expect that we're going to hear more than just this one company talking about this topic this year. Oh, oh, oh I'm, sure, I'm sure that's right. But the, the technical problem with getting the result up over 80% is orders of magnitudes larger than $23 million, right? And so, and so, and so um, what, what I hear happening is that after a while of using a system that doesn't really answer questions, um, the opposite, what's exceptional about the employee experience is that it's exceptionally bad. Yeah. Right, so this is one of those things that sells on the basis of cost reduction and fails on, on the fact that the cheaper version is a cheaper version. Um. It is not, it is not. I always tell people, I'm, I'm like, if, if you think that, you know, the chatbots are going to sort of be able to replace that, that help desk solution that you currently have in place with a human being, just imagine yourself trying to ask your, your credit card company. Most of us have had that conversation with our credit card company about your onboarding process or your bereavement model, right? <laughs> I know I have multiple times yelled at a machine over the phone for credit cards, and I think, not saying that this by any means is going to be the same model, but there is a lot of that similar issues, right? No, no but, but even, so, so I called, I, I think I've told this story before, I called Apple earlier this summer and got their uh, voice assistant chat. This is Apple, right? This is this is this is a company where if anybody was going to get this right, they would. And the and the um, tool, uh, I I told it I have a problem, and it said iPhone, and I said no, I have a problem. It said <laughs> iPad, I said no, I have a problem. iMac. <laughs> And as long as I used the word I, it, was, it yeah. wanted to give me a product, right? Now, that, now that, there's nothing exceptional about that experience because yeah. it didn't say, please don't use the word I. It made me <laughs> fail multiple times in order to figure out that it was broken. <clears throat> I think you need to put that into a comedy uh, uh, process there, John. I think that that's a great way to start off most of your presentations be smiling because we have all been there. <laughs> oh, what a good idea. So maybe as a, a, yeah, a wrap-up today, do we talk a, a little bit before we about the LinkedIn's China rival, MyMy? Because we're going to see a lot about LinkedIn this week, the data that it holds. Everybody talks about how much it, it's valuable or not valuable on the recruiting front. Uh, do you think we're, we're seeing the end of this idea of Big internet things capturing data. Oh no, no, but 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 uh, it's going to fracture. It has to fracture, right? Because data, data, mm, 
data is better in bottles than it is in barrels, like wine. Um, data is always better in a bottle than it is in a barrel. And so, so things like my my are going to come and they're going to get better at their specific market. Right? Because the, the, the cultural and political nuances of each of the national markets in the world are such that um, um, the data – I'm in the middle of a great book called The Book of Why by Judea Pearl, which, which I recommend for anybody with insomnia. Um, and, <laughs> and, and what he says about data is very, very interesting, and that is that the way – the data is collected, and the source of the data is every bit as important as the data itself. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Right? So that says yeah. that's, that my my's data will be different than LinkedIn, even if it's the exact same data. Yeah. How it's, the, the, the ownership of my my could have a huge impact just as you know the ownership of LinkedIn, which has now changed, has had a huge impact on LinkedIn, and that also changes the model of you know sort of why it's being captured, which then puts changes what people put into it right um so right. I, I that actually feels very sort of i think authentic to what's happening in the market today. What I'm interested in watching is will we end up with regional bubbles? I mean we have them already in some cases, um but I'm watching them form in different ways. Um, and in different scenarios. And, and that's a piece I think the HR technology firms are going to have to figure out in this space where companies are building their own infrastructures, their own models of HR technology environment. How do they deal with regional bubbles? Um, and we're going we're gonna to get more and more of these, I think, over time. Sure we are, because the regulation is going to vary so dramatically that the, 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 the fundamental question, which is what are the ownership rights of employees of their own data, um, is going to get answered differently in different national settings. Exactly. Yeah. So this, this idea of data flow is going to get very messy. We've had a lot of conversation about that um, in the paper this year. Um, who owns your data? What is the model for that data management in a regional setting versus just a company setting? And will companies be able to rise above regional conversations? I don't know. That's an interesting conversation to have, but probably for after HR tech when we have uh, see what uh, some of the vendors have to say about these topics. Yep, we'll do that. We'll do that in December as we as we figure out what happened this year. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we have so whipped through an, our half hour, John. Show. And we stretched yeah. a little bit, but we made it. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Stacey. It's always a fun yeah. conversation. And thanks, everybody, for listening in. We've been on HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer, with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. And it's been great having you here. We'll see you next Friday, same time, when we wrap up the HR Technology Conference. So thanks again. It's been great. See you, Stacey. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.